Hi, I'm Bethan. I'm Mark. And welcome to episode two of Seeing Red. I hope you enjoyed our first episode and we're so grateful to have you back with us for round two. This time, Mark has prepared the case to share with you, so grab a drink, it's going to be a bumpy ride. This week's show features one seriously fucked up bitch. But, well, that's enough about me. Let's just get on with it, shall we? Joanna Dennehy. You might not know the name, but you sure as shit will know the face. If you don't believe me, check out the photos we've put up on our Instagram page. Let's just say I've seen some shit tattoos in my life, but this woman is new levels. They are awful. Really bad. Mm -hmm. Born in August in 1982 in the affluent home county city of St Albans, Joanna Dennehy was raised by mum Kathleen and dad Kevin in the nearby town of Harpenden. Dennehy, according to her younger sister Maria, had a privileged childhood filled with happy summer holidays. An intelligent girl, she had a thirst for knowledge and loved to read. She excelled at sports and was a member of both the netball and hockey teams at school. See, when you said she was like having a good time and she went on holidays to the seaside and she liked to read, I was thinking, this is, this is like me. And then you said about sports, not so much. Definitely not like you. <laughs> Whilst her parents were described as protective, they were equally supportive, paying for extra tuition in the hope that she would one day go on to study at the university and become a lawyer. You might think this all sounds idyllic, but things were about to take a downward turn, Shay Dennehy. I wouldn't expect anything less from a case that you're about to tell me about, Matt. Of course. This week's case has got the lot. Multiple murders, sadomasochism, a giant seven foot three inch freak called Gary Stretch, and even Britney fucking Spears makes a cameo. <laughs> if you're thinking this sounds like one of Bethan's gin-induced night terrors, then you would definitely be right. Fucking hell. <laughs> Lukasz Slabajewski, 31 and a Polish national, was described by his sister Magda as the joker in the family. The first of Dennehy's victims, he was stabbed twice, before being left to partially decompose in a wheelie bin. John Chapman, 56, was described as a loving brother and uncle. He was also stabbed to death, prompting Dennehy to phone her longtime friend and fellow nutjob, Gary Stretch, to serenade him with a Britney Spears classic, I think you can probably guess the one, Oops, I Did It Again. Dennehy's murder spree ended in the callous execution of Kevin Lee, a 48-year-old father of two, who was Dennehy's landlord and lover. Those who knew him described him as someone who always saw the best in people. Unfortunately for Lee, this outlook was to prove to be his downfall. Lee's life would end with him dressed in a black sequin dress before being thrown in a ditch and arranged in a sexual pose. So how did Dennehy go from home county schoolgirl to psychotic killer? To answer this question, we must look at Dennehy's life from the time she first ran away at the age of 15 to the months leading up to her 10-day murder spree. How old was she when she was killing people? Well, she's the same age as me now, so and this was 2013, so she'd be 30. 30, I mean, that is young. It's totally, crazy. yeah. Absolutely mad. So carry on. Much of her life in these intervening years is not documented, mm. but what we do know is that after repeatedly running away from home, she left for good at the age of 16 and moved in with Trainer. Living only a few miles away from the family home, Dennehy would make occasional visits to see her parents, but only to ask for money to feed her growing addiction to drink and drugs. A mother of two before the age of 20, Dennehy permanently severed ties with her family shortly after the birth of her first child. From the research I've co conducted, this was apparently following an argument with her mum 
um, where she advised her that she would have to pay if she wanted to see her grandchild. God, so you can tell that like these, these addictions that she has and the fact that she needs money all the time, that to sever ties with your whole family as well, that's awful. I think it was a serious addiction at this point. Mm. And we don't know what drug she was addicted to, but I'm guessing class A serious kind of shit. Yeah, if you need money for it. Dennehy found it difficult to settle into a life of domestic bliss. Nigella Lawson, she wasn't. <laughs> Tellingly, she told friends that she had never wanted to be a mother and her relationship with Trainer was volatile, marred by her cheating and frequent and sudden absences. She would often disappear for days or weeks on end before returning, only to beg for Trainer's forgiveness. After moving to East Anglia for a fresh start, life in the Dennehy Trainer household went from bad to worse. Dennehy's drinking spiralled out of control and after first resorting to self-harming, sometimes during intercourse, she soon started taking her anger out on trainer. This abusive relationship came to an abrupt end when, in 2009, tired of Dennehy's behaviour and fearful of what she might do next, trainer left the family home for good, taking their two children with him. God, I don't... Don't blame him, to be honest. She sounds like a nightmare. I think that was, for the sake of the two children, absolutely the right thing to do and probably quite a brave thing to do for him. Oh my God, yeah. And to kind of know what you're leaving behind. But yeah, getting those children out of there. It was absolutely no overreaction on his part as around this time, Dennehy had taken to carrying a dagger with her wherever she went. And she was actively telling friends that she literally wanted to kill a person for the fun of it. God, what... How does she have friends to begin with? I'm not being funny, but... I think they're sort of naughty friends. Naughty friends? Yeah. The same people are naughty. Yeah. For Dennehy, now free of the responsibilities of family life, her behaviour quickly escalated. Drifting from bedsit to squat and back again, she was often in trouble with the law for minor offences and was also turning to prostitution at this time in order to fund her addiction to drink and drugs. It's so sad, but that is something you see so often, isn't it? People just turn into things like that and getting into other crimes. I think, although she's an absolutely savage murderer, um, there's obviously some backstory here that will come on to some of it, but Mm. um, I I don't want to feel loads of sympathy for her, but um, she certainly led a difficult life, definitely in her late teens and early 20s. A brief respite came in the form of a short stay in prison, believe it or not, where she received treatment for her mental health problems. However, she continued to suffer, and a year before her murderous rampage, Dennehy was assessed by the mental health team Mm -hmm. at Peterborough Hospital. It's not known how this came about, but she was held there for a few days before being diagnosed with a psychotic antipersonality disorder. You don't say. I know. (laughs) This manifested itself in anger, aggression, impulsivity and irresponsibility, all traits that we would come on to learn about as we go through the story. Mm. Although she was on the radar of the police, the probation service and various mental health professionals at this time, and it would be really easy to say that they should have seen this coming and intervened further, don't forget, up until this point, she had only been involved in pretty minor offences. What makes this case so interesting is that while she was no angel, her behaviour escalated so ferociously in such a short amount of time. Let's fast forward then to March 2013, the beginning of the end for Dennehy and her victims. Although his body was not discovered for a few days, it is believed that Lukas Slabozhevsky was killed on or shortly after the 19th of March. Dennehy had met Slabozhevsky just days before killing him at a property in Orton Goldhay, Peterborough. 
He had told friends that he'd met an English girlfriend. And according to Detective Chief Inspector Martin Brunning of Cambridgeshire Police, the 31-year-old had gone round to her house on the day of his murder following an invitation from Dennehy to consummate their relationship. What happened when he arrived is largely unknown, but what we do know is that Slavoszewski was brutally stabbed through the heart before being dumped in a wheelie bin. Christ. Following this savage killing, Dennehy's lust for blood was out of control and she wasn't going to let anybody get in her way. We know that victim number two, John Chapman, was killed approximately 10 days later on the 29th of March. The 56-year-old Falklands War veteran lived in a bedsit in the same rundown property as Dennehy. Having struggled with his own addiction issues, he was described by the judge at Dennehy's trial as being at her mercy as she stabbed him to death. Although Dennehy has never volunteered a motive for any of the killings, it is believed that Chapman was murdered after accidentally walking in on a naked Dennehy in their shared bathroom. Ten days between the two killings is not very long either, is it? It isn't, no, and there's a really interesting um, theory around whether she's a spree killer or a serial killer, mm. and I've tried to deliberately talk about her as a spree killer because the general consensus with academics is that uh, a serial killer will have respite periods between killings mm-hmm. and go back to their normal life, whereas Hay, although there was a 10-day ten, ten gap, she um, just carried on. Yeah, and I think as well, like, with serial killers, you see... Like you said, the pattern, whereas with her it was just, she's done it once and she just wants to keep going. I I think it was a genuine lust for blood. Mm. I don't know what prompted it, and we will come on to that in a bit more detail, but I don't really have the answers. It'll be an interesting discussion towards the end of the episode. It was after this murder that Dennehy phoned Gary Stretch to serenade him with her rendition of Oops, I Did It Again. He, along with his friend Leslie Layton, assisted Dennehy in dumping the two bodies in the Cambridgeshire countryside. Later that same day, Dennehy stabbed Kevin Lee, her landlord and lover, in the neck and chest. Kevin Lee owned a number of properties in Peterborough, and in return for rent-free accommodation, Dennehy had begun working for him shortly after moving to the area. Now, if you're picturing Dennehy hunched over a desk, shuffling paperwork and playing email ping-pong whilst humming along to the Dolly Parton classic (laughs) 9 to 5, then you would be very wrong because Lee immediately put her to work with Gary Stretch as a rent collector. Can you imagine telling them that you were going to be late with that month's rent? So scary. It wasn't long long before Dennehy and Lee started a sexual relationship. It would later come out in her trial that Dennehy had a condition called paraphilia sadomasochism. This is basically a fancy term for saying that she liked it rough. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Really, she actively enjoyed inflicting pain and suffering on others during sexual acts. So on others, not necessarily on herself? I think looking at the definition of that term, it it is on herself as well. Mm. Um, And we do see some of that. As I said earlier, when she would have intercourse, she would potentially Mm. self-harm. So I think it probably escalated and there's probably different... Uh, Yeah, I would say so. Degrees in there. Yeah. It is thought Lee was aware of this and was a willing partner, once tellingly remarking to a friend that Dennehy wanted to rape him whilst he was wearing a dress. Lee's body was discovered in a roadside ditch near Newborough on March 30th. Four days later, a farmer found the corpses of Slabozhevsky and Chapman in a remote field five miles away. As the police launched a nationwide hunt to find the person responsible for these three murders, Dennehy and her accomplices were already 150 miles away in Herefordshire. 
By this time, Dennehy's quest for blood had become insatiable. She told Stretch and Leighton that she wanted to kill nine men in total. Oh and God. next on her list was a man walking a dog. <laughs> as if she was ticking off some kind of hen party bingo challenge. But, oh yeah, man with dog. Next one. I'm doing hen party bingo for my sister's Hendy. Mm. Shall I add that on there? Man add with it dog. on, yeah. It's a great one to man have. Man with yeah. dog. Cocktail oh. waiter, yeah, with cocktail yeah. in hand. Photo with DJ. Driving around the county town of Hereford, searching for victims after a couple of days lying low, Dennehy and co. happened upon Robin Baretta, a 64-year-old man who was out walking his dog. Seizing her opportunity, Dennehy leapt from the car before stabbing him twice, once in the chest and once in the shoulder. Baretta, a retired fire service employee, did not immediately realise he was being attacked. During the trial, he told the jury, I felt a blow to my right shoulder... I turned around and saw this lady. She was just staring straight through me. I kicked her and made contact. I had no impact on her. She just came straight towards me. I ran into the road. I put my hand to my jacket and saw all this blood. She tried to come for me again. I kicked her again and she still didn't react. After leaving him for dead, Dennehy calmly got back into the car before ordering Stretch to continue driving around in the hunt for her second victim of the day. It wasn't long before she saw a man called John Rogers. The 56-year-old was walking his pet lurcher. Once again, Dennehy got out of the car before launching a vicious attack. She stabbed Rogers 40 times in his arm, chest, stomach and back. and left him. 40 times? She did, yeah. 40 times, which is weird because with Baretta it was twice. Yeah. So I don't know what happened there. The first contact, he said, felt like a punch in the back. Weirdly, he assumed, which maybe you would, um, that it was a friend or neighbour, just messing about, basically. saying hi or something, yeah. Um, He said, I turned around and saw the woman who stabbed me just standing there. She started stabbing me in the chest. He asked Dennehy, what's all this about? She told him he was bleeding before saying, I better do some more. I said, just leave me alone, please. Please, can you just leave me alone? But she didn't. She didn't seem to be showing any emotion. She didn't seem to be enjoying herself. She just seemed to be going about her business. Roger said he fell to the ground, but the attack continued. I was just waiting for it to stop. There was loads and loads of blood on the floor, on the ground. As I lay there, I thought, this is it. This is where I'm going to die. Worse was yet to come when, not content with leaving Roger's life hanging in the balance at the roadside, Dennehy decided to take his terrified dog, Archie, with her. Oh, why do they always... It just upsets me when they make the dog become part of it. I think serial killers or spree killers just kind of love dogs. <laughs> As she climbed back in the car with a quivering pooch, she remarked to Leighton and Stretch that he was the only friend that she had. Whilst on the run, Dennehy became aware that the police were looking for her in connection with the murders, and she celebrated her newfound notoriety by literally jumping for joy, excitedly proclaiming herself to be a monster and comparing herself and Stretch to a modern-day Bonnie and Clyde. I love that film, by the way. I've never seen that film, actually. You really should. I don't really think they were Bonnie and Clyde. Definitely, no. Alike, but cool. perhaps. <laughs> perhaps unsurprisingly, it wasn't long before the police were hot on the heels of Dennehy and her cronies. Following the discovery of the three bodies in Cambridgeshire, police quickly identified there was one common denominator, Demon Dennehy. She hadn't exactly covered her tracks, even showing a local teenage girl the rotting corpse of Slavojevsky 
which she had temporarily hidden in that wheelie bin. Oh, God. So she's not really trying to hide anything, is she? I think to show a teenage girl that and be proud of it is pretty sick. Using number plate recognition cameras, the police were able to track her to Hereford, and before she could continue in her ambitions to kill nine men, police thankfully apprehended her. Thank God, yeah. I know what you're probably thinking at this point, was the dog okay? It is literally all I'm thinking Uh, about. Um, He was, definitely, and so too, fortunately, were Baretta and Rogers. Just 40 minutes after attacking Rogers, armed police had surrounded Dennehy's car. They remarked afterwards how she'd remained calm and silent. Her demeanour changed when she was booked into the local police station in Hereford, however. There was some really uncomfortable footage on YouTube. She's literally laughing and joking with a booking officer. Oh my god, I've seen this. Oh, it's terrible, Like, at one point, doesn't she say to us, like, oh, you're really beautiful, like, something like that. Oh, come on to it, exactly, and it's not far off. Yeah, oh my god, it's ridiculous. And the police officer's reaction is equally as embarrassing, really. (laughs) Um, She complained about her hectic week, and (laughs) compared the slaughter of three innocent men to going out for Sunday roast. Easy. Oh my god. She absolutely flirted with the male officers, flicking her hair back, and she demonstrates her boredom at one point by drumming her fingers on the counter. It, it really is difficult viewing, not only, as I said, because of Dennehy's behaviour, but because of the behaviour of the police. They almost seem enthralled by her, mm. laughing along with her and joking around and being overly casual. That's awful. Perhaps that is trained police procedure in that situation, I don't know. Um, but basically it's all a bit cringe. At one point, Dennehy performs a bizarre chicken walk and hunches her shoulders as she's led to the cells, saying, I'm the Incredible Hulk. She's mm, just a bit weird, isn't she? Yeah. She tells officers, am I suicidal? No. Am I cheery now? Yes. Wouldn't you be cheery if you were up for attempted murder and murder? When a PC reveals Dennehy will be stripped of her clothes, she complains that she doesn't want to wear a suicide suit. This is a colloquial term for standard prison-issue tracksuit. And it's a tracksuit that it's very difficult to take off and hang yourself in. Mm -hmm. Several minutes later, having clearly been overruled, Dennehy returns to the booking in desk wearing the tracksuit. She she bemoans the attire, saying, Why can't I have a T-shirt? I'm in a suicide suit. A suicide suit? It's huge. Can I not get a T-shirt? Seriously. I do need a T-shirt because this is massive. This is a tent. I love that what she's worried about is what she looks like in her clothes. Absolutely. Kill three men and try to kill another couple. It's ridiculous. That probably just shows the personality mm-hmm. here. Completely. When a PC tells her the outfit looks good, she replies, thanks for that. That makes me feel so good, real sexy. She then flashes the man a dazzling smile. Dennehy is so relaxed, she appears to flirt with the PC who has taken down her details. She tells him, you've got very distinctive eyebrows, don't you? They are really strict <laughs> oh, eyebrows. God. You can't say that they aren't strict eyebrows. Up, up, down, I love your eyebrows. (laughs) She also tells a WPC you are so tiny. This is probably where you're thinking that you're so pretty. Um, Cringily, the woman replies, Oh, thank you, I've never been called tiny, thanks. Dennehy responds, You're welcome. Not bad for a murderer. Attempted murder, a murder. It could be worse. I could be big, fat and ugly. Oh, yeah, because that's the least of your worries. Jeez. At her trial, Judge Mr Justice Spencer told the Old Bailey on the day she was sentenced, within the space of ten days you murdered three men in cold blood. Although you pleaded guilty, you made it quite clear you have no remorse. 
He added, you are a cruel, calculating, selfish, a manipulative serial killer. The judge described how Dennehy had sent him a letter saying she was not sorry for the murders. He added that she told a psychiatrist, I killed to see how it would feel, to see if I was as cold as I thought I was. Then it got Moorish. As Dennehy was ordered to serve the rest of her life in prison, she laughed and smirked. She is one of just three women along Myra Hindley, who's obviously now dead, and Rosemary West in English history to be told that she can never be released. Wow. I bet though to her, that's probably a bit of an accolade, which is ridiculous. She probably sees that as like such a, a bragging right. I would say so. And when she uh, goes to prison, there's a bit of stuff around Rosemary West. Mm. So we'll come on to that. So what motivated Denna Hayes' killing spree? Some experts in the case have theorised that she was sexually abused as a child. Whilst there is absolutely no proof of this, Dennehy herself did claim that this was true in one of her psychi- psychiatric assessments. Mm. thing is, though, is I could see her being the sort of person who'd make stuff up if she thought it was going to get her what she wanted. Yeah. Others have pointed to her abuse of drink and drug that impacted an already fragile mental health. Mm. What we do know is that she continues to wield her acerbic authority from behind bars. Within minutes of arriving at HMP Bronzefield in 2014 to begin her sentence, she threatened to kill fellow whole-life tariffer Rose West. Mm. Her threats were taken so seriously that West was immediately placed into solitary confinement before being moved to another prison the very next morning. God, so they did take her seriously then? Absolutely. Having asserted herself as top dog within minutes of her arrival, she is said to have prisoners and guards at her beck and call to this day. It was also recently reported that Connie Adams, her of kind of episode one fame, um, had befriended her in prison and is visiting her on a monthly basis. We need to stop talking about the Adams family. I don't like, think we do. I think they're two for two. fascinating. Yeah, that's true, actually. Let's either do a whole episode on them or... See if we can mention them and link them to every well, single Well, every crime. single case, we'll just try I think and link the We Adams could just family. kind of say that they're probably responsible I'm just for a it, bit yeah. worried that they'll find out we've been talking about oh, them and then they'll put a hit about on stuff us. like that. <laughs> we'll see, yeah. If we do die, then we know it's... If you go, I'm going to do a case about it. Yeah. Gary Stretch was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum term of 19 years for his part in the attempted murder of John Rogers and Robin Baretta, plus three counts of unlawful burial and perverting the course of justice. Little fan fact for you here, Bethan. <laughs> um, he is Britain's tallest serving prisoner. Tallest? Yes. What was he? Seven three? Seven foot three, oh yeah. Oh my God, okay. So yeah, he's quite a presence wherever he is. Mm. Leslie Layton was sentenced to 14 years um, for his part in this, and that was for two counts of preventing lawful burial, mm-hmm. and also perver- for perverting the course of justice. I think it's really interesting that you can be prosecuted for preventing the lawful burial like I think that's a really interesting sort of side to this crime because it's not just that you kind of stood by and watched or anything like that it's also you prevented that from that person from having a decent burial so I find that quite interesting that we have that as a crime and I'm glad that we do because I think I I would agree yeah Mm. I think it's the right thing that we we do punish for that because yeah. the family need to know that there's mm-hmm. a body that they can bury and they can then mourn properly. Absolutely. I think his sentence does seem quite high. 14 years mm. when really he has literally been um, sent down for literally preventing 
unlawful burial and then perverting the course of justice. 14 years to seem a lot. Yeah, Gary Stretch getting minimum 19 years. 19 years. They're not much difference. Not really when he was, he's up for the attempted murder of two yeah. people. Yeah, he was clearly either egging her on or even possibly joining, maybe not joining in, but wanting to... You know, he wanted that to happen as well. He was clearly enjoying himself. Mm. I don't know if you've seen those selfies that they were taking and they just, they're finding themselves hilarious. I think they stole somebody's camera at some point and they then went on this sort of spree of um, taking these holiday photos almost. So there's, there's one photo awful. where they're, they're all posing by a gate and they, they just look an absolute mess. Mm. Something um, that I did see on a documentary which I found really interesting and really chilling was... There's some CCTV footage of like a shop that they popped into. So there was Denahay and then this guy that she forced to drive the car with her. This guy, um, I can't remember his name. What was his name? Mark. Mark Lloyd. Lloyd. Mark Lloyd, yeah. And after since then, he's been on a few documentaries. He's like talked mm. about how terrifying it was. And he really thought like she's just going to kill somebody. And they were stood in this shop and then she starts flirting with the girl behind the till. And he's just sort of like, oh my god! At least she's flirting with her, and she's not like trying to like stab her and stuff. It's really scary. She is just a massive flirt because yeah. we saw that when she was when she's arrested and taken mm-hmm. to Hereford Police Station, she's doing the exact same thing yeah, with, the, exactly. with the the police workers there. Yeah, she was saying to this girl behind the door, "Oh, you've got a nice ass and stuff oh, like that." Christ. I think Mark Lloyd is seen as a victim in all of this. Absolutely, he was exonerated yeah. of, of any blame. And absolutely forced into driving her around, yeah. and yeah, had no part in it. Oh at my all. god, he was terrified by her. He said something like he thought it must have been Gary Stretch that had killed these people because he's so big and scary. And he said Denahay looked like butter wouldn't melt in her mouth. And then, even with that star tattoo, on her <laughs> even with the star tattoo, mm. and then basically he just realised then, no, she's not. She's not this sweet innocent woman. I think out of the two of them, you would absolutely point to Stretch as a criminal, as a person that's murdered people. You wouldn't point to Dennehy at all. No, completely not. Dennehy said during her arrest that it could be worse. I could be big, fat and ugly. Um, Well, she is said to have fucking piled it on behind bars. So perhaps there is some kind of karma there. That's amazing. She was obsessed with looking good or looking slim. She was, yeah. And big, she's definitely big. She's fat now and she was always ugly, so... Those tattoos did not help. No, not at all. Um, As ever, our thoughts are absolutely with the victims, families and friends. And actually, I think on this occasion, my thoughts are also with the family of Denahay. Definitely. Uh, She had two young children and she had a mum and a dad and a sister. And it was quite a normal family. They'd done absolutely nothing to to deserve this. Especially like her partner that she'd had the children with as well. To To have to escape from such a violent relationship... You do, you just feel really sorry for him. Yeah, I think it was brave, as mm. we said. I think it was a brave move and absolutely the right move on his part. And can you imagine as well, like, if he hadn't have gone, he could have been her first victim when she decided she wanted to kill a lady. She, she could have been one of those people that completely obliterates her entire family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, yeah, he did the right thing. Sadly, John Rogers, the man who Denahay attacked in Hereford and whose dog she took, mm. died 18 months after the attack. Oh. The police said his death was not related to the attack. However, Rogers said six months before his death that his life had changed forever and would never be the same again. It wouldn't, though. You'd, I'd be terrified to go and walk my dog again. After being attacked like that. He was really violently attacked as well. 40 
stab wounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, just absolutely. I can't see that his death was nothing to do no, with that attack. No, he'd be a broken person after that happened. Yeah, so. absolutely. Mm. Um, so a sad note to end on, really. Uh, we hope that you found today's episode interesting and you can join in the discussion on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. If you've got any feedback for us, please feel free to get in touch or you can leave us a review. We can also be contacted by email at info at seeingredpodcast.co.uk and we promise Beth and will respond to all messages. <laughs> I have had a lot of fun talking to everybody on social media recently. Um, it's been great hearing what you thought about our first episode, so thank you very much for any feedback you've given. Like Mark said, we really do appreciate that, so please do get in touch if you've got any comments that you'd like to share. Um, so that just leaves for us to say thank you for joining us again for today's episode and we will see you next week with another case to share see you next time Hi Angels, it's your girl Louise Rumble and I'm the host of the Open House Podcast. Therapy quite literally changed my life and sent me straight into my hot healing girl era. Now, each week I share my story, the good, the bad and the downright juicy and chat with some of the world's best therapists, psychologists and wellness experts. From love, sex and dating to attachment styles, nervous system regulation, wellness hacks, hormone balancing and more, nothing is off the table. I've emptied my bank account on therapy and healing so you don't have to. So if you're ready to leave the past in the past and build the future you've always deserved, me and my favourite experts are waiting for you on the Open House podcast. Listen now wherever you stream your podcasts and I cannot wait to meet you.